Welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. Uh, today we're going to be uh, talking a little bit more about our sermon from Sunday, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I'm um, here again with John Whitaker, um, my faithful friend. Uh, John, why don't you uh, start by uh, reading uh, the passage for us, um, and then we will uh, kind of dive into some application. First John chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you, so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What a wonderful passage. I mean, 2-1 is one of my favorite verses, man. You know, my, my little children, there's this tenderness that John, John John gives. The first time he kind of goes to that first person, mm-hmm. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's just that, that pastoral counsel. So I, I want what's best for you in your life. Right? Mm-hmm. And I know what's best for you is not to go after sin. Right? A lot of times when people hear... Um, you know, kind of rebukes not to go in after sin. There's just kind of like, you know, this hand pushback, like, you mm-hmm. know, well, this is just tenderness, right? And I just love that. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I mean, how many of us just feel like we, when we're sinning, that we um, are going to be sh- ashamed and pushed aside and forgotten and abandoned? But God says no. <laughs> I just love mm-hmm. that. So That's good. Do you want me to start asking questions? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I guess I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it says, but if anyone does sin, is John implying that it's possible that someone doesn't sin? Um, could we say when you sin? Yeah, you know, um, you could probably say that. You know, I don't think that John has kind of this idea of perfectionism mm-hmm. there. I mean, he says in the previous verse, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So, of course, he's not talking about sinners. Um, you know, but I do think that he's, he, you know, there's the balance of the Christian life. There's, I mean, Paul, all the way throughout his Romans, right? People hear of the, the, um, the beautiful forgiveness offered in Christ. And then they say, what? Well, I'm forgiven. Should I go sin? Right, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's what Paul. I think John's trying to get at here. It's like, right. you know, you are if you're in the light, you're in the light. But like, you're going to sin. So if you sin, you still have Jesus, right? Yeah. But just because you have Jesus and He's going to cover you from your sin, that doesn't mean you want to go after and use your freedom as a as a, as, as going to use a, a way to continue to sin. Or like, I, I, I'm going to sin, so I might as well why even fight it? Can why why even fight it? Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, John is very broad in the section. He says sin, uh, commandments. Uh, is there any you think maybe in particular that he's referring to? You know, I don't, I don't have anything in, in particular here. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole book is he's pretty general, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with the, maybe in First John four, he talks about kind of I think he's referring to anger there, talking about murder, you know, mm-hmm. Cain. Um, I think the general principle of loving one another um, is just kind of woven throughout the book. Um, you know, I think that. Keeping God's commandments of pursuing Christ and righteous holiness with the body, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's this that part of chapter two about separating 
those who were of us left us so that to prove that they were not of us there's something mm-hmm. about being connected there um, but I think there's sometimes there's a general it's a general it's a good thing to keep it general mm-hmm. because all of us have our own individual sins right so if you say keep God's commandments for you and for me they may, may that may look different right mm-hmm. because we're going to have different leanings towards and, and temptations from our sin based on our our makeup our DNA and how we were raised okay so here's a question for you how do you feel like Park Baptist Church is doing with the command, make disciples of all nations? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think generally we're doing well. You know, I think that um, people are thinking that way. It's hard, like with COVID, how do we feel like we can do different things? You know, it's really it's really a challenging, yeah. you know. You made that point yesterday, you know, that the, rather than inviting them to something, just spend time with people when you can, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think... I think generally we're doing a decent job. We can always grow in that, you know, and then the question is, what does it mean to make disciples? So, you know, our, our parents discipling their kids, I think parents are doing a better job now mm-hmm. discipling their kids, having regular family devotions during COVID than before. So mm-hmm. are they doing a good job making disciples? Well, absolutely. Right. In that way. Um, you know, are we doing less maybe towards our neighbor? Mm-hmm. Probably. Right. Um, you know, I think it's harder to find time and some people are just, this is awkward. Right to kind of you know do you even feel like you can see me in public you yeah. know um, so but I think our 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 emphasis and our desire uh, is still there because he says here he says in verse uh, two but also for the sins of the whole world is there in a sense where we should at all times have the world in mind or is it more of we are the world and it's okay just be localized. What do you mean world? Do you mean like nations? Like Yeah, because he says the sins of the whole world, like the whole nation. So should we even now be thinking about India, Tibet, Africa, you know, the whole continent? Yeah, so, it, it, so think about first century context, right? Mm-hmm. First century context, most people never left 30 miles from their own home. Mm-hmm. So John is, is writing to the church of Ephesus here, and he's probably not thinking, you know, Africa, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not thinking America here. Um, I think that we should always care about the world, but you know, we care about the world first in our in our own local community in mm-hmm. our Jerusalem, if you will, um, and then to the ends of the world. So mm-hmm. I think we should always be caring about the lost, right? And we should always want to be salt and light. We should always want to abstain from the desires of the flesh, First Peter two, so that we can you know help people glorify God on the day of visitation. Uh, so our our heart should always be thinking about those who are outside of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said. You know, I have sheep who are not yet in the sheepfold, right? So, you know, John, uh, was it Mark 4, right? Or Luke 4? Uh, you know, I came to preach to other towns as well. That's why I've come, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that we, we should think both on our local context, but yeah, we should always have kind of maybe in, a, in the back of our mind, back to the front, back in the front of our mind to the world, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he says, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. No. Wouldn't Christians say we're sinners, sure. saved by Jesus? But how would we then fall into this trap, you think, today, maybe in our church? Uh, we admit we're sinners. Can we still fall into that even if we say that? Uh, yes, I think, you know, it's a good question. I, I, the, the verses that come into my mind are Second Corinthians 13, right? When Paul says, test to see whether you're in the faith. And the, really, the test really is... Are you repentant, right? Uh, John the Baptist um, would say, 
are you living with the fruits of repentance? You know, Luke chapter three. Hmm. Uh, so I think that there's there's an element of like, does is your life characterized by following the Lord's commandments, or is there rejection in it? Right. Hmm. So um, if you're confronted with the truth of God's word and you choose no, I'm not going to follow God's word. I'm going to follow something else. Well, then you're saying that you know Him, but that you're actually not living that way. Right. Hmm. Now, if we are those who are battling with the flesh, Romans 7, right? You know, I do think that's a Christian there. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to do that, which is right, but we're falling into sin, right? We would not say that we are living in obedience. We're saying, help me, I'm a sinner. That's different. You're saying you know him because you want to know him more. You're fighting that sin. Yeah. But to say, I know him, but I'm going to live any which way I want, I think that's more of the implication here. Here's a question for you. <laughs> I think I laughed. I think I laughed. I think I laughed. I wrote it down. <laughs> how many commands must I keep until I have assurance? Oh man! And how much sin is acceptable for assurance? Yeah, well, I think assurance is is based on the object of our faith. You know, we're our, we're not. It's not the amount of our faith; it's the object of our faith. Mm-hmm. It's faith in Christ. So, we should have assurance if we are, are walking in the truth, right? Not that we have walked in the truth. Right. So we, we shouldn't have assurance. Look at all that I did for you. Right. Because that's what those people came to Jesus, you know, in Matthew seven, Lord, mm-hmm. we did all these things for you. And Jesus said, I never knew you away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Um, so I think for, you know, those who abide in Jesus, those who walk with Jesus should have confidence that they're in Jesus. Right. Like, you know, the heart is acceptable of all things. We can easily def- confuse our hearts, but if we're walking with the Lord today, we should have assurance today, right? Mm. You know, I don't think we should say, well, I used to do all this kind of stuff in the past for the Lord, and now I'm not, therefore I should have confidence. Well, probably not, you know, mm. because you're not currently living right. for the Lord, you know? So um, I think confidence and assurance do does come with an active, personal, faithful obedience to Jesus. Okay. So would you say that, like, I guess, is where does repenting of sin come with assurance? Is there a correlation between the two? Uh, yeah. You know, we are called to repent of sin when we see it in our life and move towards Christ. What does repentance look like? You know, mm-hmm. it's honest confession before the Lord. It's a change in your demeanor towards other people. So, so like I say, let's say um, I mistreat you um, and you make me aware of it. I repent of mistreating you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matthew 18 and we are reconciled, and our relationship is deepened, right? You know, um, but we are, we're not, we're not never going to be perfect, right? right? I mean, Paul mentions that in Philippians 3, you know, not that I've been perfect or have attained all this, but one thing I do is I forget what is behind, I press on towards what is ahead to the upward call of God in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. So I think there's an element that um, we're always walking, we're always repenting, right? You know, I think Roman, or First John 1, 9 is kind of like what the Christian does, is repentance, confession, and repentance is this the Christian's breath, right? right? Confess my sin, I repent of it, right? Yeah. But, you know, as you get older in your faith, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure who said that. I think Keith said it yesterday in the, in the prayer, is that we, we may not have the big sins in our life, like the ones that are visible and noticeable, but we have the sins of pride or envy, mm-hmm. the sins of the heart that we still have to be repenting of daily. Because I think, I mean, John is trying to offer assurance, mm-hmm. right? If you do these things, you can be confident. And I think the thing that keeps us from being confident is our sin. Sure. 
So is there, is it, would you say, give any advice for someone who's struggling with sin, but maybe they sh- still should have assurance, even if they're struggling? Yeah, well, I think, you know, John's also trying to speak against those who have left the faith, right? Okay. Who have left the, 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 the community of faith, I should say, the, the, the kind of the separatist. Um, you know, it feels like a Star Wars movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Christian. Return of the Christian. Um, so I think that if you are fighting against sin, there's an active fight in you against sin that you don't want to be doing the things that dishonor the Lord. I think there's a pretty good sign that you have the Holy Spirit, right? Um, that doesn't mean, you know, there's worldly grief and godly grief. You mm-hmm. know, 2 Corinthians 7 kind of mentions that. Um, but I do think that if you are pursuing the Lord in the sense that you're coming to the gathering of the saints, you're hearing the word, you're fighting against sin, you're actively trying to pray, you're moving towards the Lord, I think you should have assurance, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, we're going to struggle with sin as long as we're in the body. But sometimes we're struggling with sin, and there's things that we don't even know about ourselves that causes us to struggle with sin, right? Mm-hmm. The way I was raised as a child, different things I learned, tendencies. Um, you know, I may have habits in my life that lead me to sin that I'm not even realizing. How much TV I watch, my sleep patterns, my diet. Like, you know, we are embodied souls. So our bodies and our lives, what we, what we take in, affect us yeah. right so you know i don't want to beat people up right um because romans 8 uh 37 39 is a beautiful chapter right there is nothing that can separate you from the love of god that's in christ jesus our lord right um who is there to condemn jesus christ died more than that and was raised right and is interceding before god the father for us. so yeah. i think this, this passage is trying to give you comfort and assurance that we have jesus christ our comforter at the same time, to press us, because of his great love for us, not to continue to walk in sin. And not to be deceived, to think that you continue to live any which way you want, and be okay. Like the people in probably John's day. Okay, I don't, a couple more questions left. Should we say no to sin, or yes to Jesus? Both. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, you can't say one or the other. Okay. Right? Jesus is not going to call you to sin. By saying no to sin, you're saying yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Now... You could be saying no to sin for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. right? You could still do it for a fleshly reason, right? Yeah. Can't make maybe an example in my head. I'm going to say no here because I want people to think well of me mm-hmm. rather than I want to please Jesus. Um, but yeah, saying no to sin is always saying yes to Jesus. I think the more we behold Jesus, the more we think about what he's done for us and how ever-present he is in our life, that we're probably going to be saying no to sin a whole lot less because we're probably going to be less tempted by sin because we're going to be looking more at Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like, think about, like, natural let's say you are tempted to eat lots of donuts um, <laughs> and you never are around donuts you're probably not going to struggle with eating donuts right yeah but if you're only around things that are healthy for you you're probably going to be around it i think it's the same thing for you spiritually if you are constantly putting yourself social media tv news programs that are that are unhealthy you're constantly feeding yourself with that well guess what you're going to probably struggle with more sin right mm. you may not be watching pornography uh, you may, but you may struggle with lust because you're watching television shows, and every television show that you're watching are, are women who are beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're wearing clothing that's not appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not outright pornography; it's not outright sin, but it may be influencing you in ways you don't even realize. Mm-hmm. So you just gotta be careful with the diet of, you know, what you're being influenced by. You talked about um, you gave two second illustration. You said lion cubs. Yeah. What were you getting at there? So Jen Wilkin kind of says this in one of her books. Uh, says that, you know, a lot of times what we do with sin is we kind of, kind of see, treat sin like a pet lion or a pet tiger. 
we kind of coddle it, we cuddle it, we kind of try to keep it small, mm-hmm. and we think we can handle it, then all of a sudden it grows and it destroys us, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what sin does. This is kind of what I was drawing out in Romans chapter 6, right? You, you were one of the ones who texted me that, that passage, right? It says, like, you know, what were you getting uh, for the things that you were now ashamed of? Mm-hmm. Your sin leads to death. Well, that's what happens when you go after sin, right? It destroys you, right? But you, it doesn't tell you that. Because what Satan does, he never tells you the final outcome. He just gives you the temptation, right? Mm. Isn't this good, right? I mean, um, don't you want to taste this? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to feed you. Then all of a sudden, it has destruction behind it, mm. right? Um, you know, would you eat an apple that was beautiful and good, but knowing it gave you cancer? Well, no, I'm not going to eat that. I don't want to get cancer, right? <laughs> but if I, but it looks really good. Yeah. But if you don't tell me I have can't, I'm gonna, this is also has a, it's a cancer in an apple, you know, so. That's what they did with Adam and Eve. He's still doing the same thing today. Hmm. That's good. Um, I had a question, but I think it's gone. So, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Maybe with this, uh, maybe a pastoral word to maybe someone who's because this is kind of about Jesus as our advocate, our propitiation. Therefore, love him, keep his commandments. Right? It's kind of really the gist. Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty straightforward text. I mean, I think that. The one verse six is something that I think we kind of gloss over because the first half of this passage is so good. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm. Jesus Christ is our Savior, is our Redeemer, is our Lord and our Master. But he's also our example, right? Mm. You know, and we can look to to walk like Jesus. So I know that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, the what would Jesus do bracelets were were kind of a a big thing. Um, I'm not saying get a bracelet, but really everything that we should do. Is uh, <laughs> tattoo. Um, what would Jesus do in here? How would Jesus act? How would Jesus respond here? Yep. What is a way that I can cultivate a love for this person in, in a Christ-like fashion, demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit? And when you're doing that, what you're doing is you're radiating Jesus. You're being salt. You're being light. Um, you're helping people see the joy of Christ. You know, and I think that sometimes we just we don't think about how the end goal of the Christian life is to be transformed into the image of the Son to grow into maturity, which is Christ. So like, you know, our whole goal is to be like Jesus, mm. right? And I think that sometimes we uh, we don't realize he's not only our savior, but he's also our example. So maybe close with, the, close with this. Someone could read this text, instead of feeling encouraged, they feel tired, right? So it's keep his commandments, you know, walk with him, and they're kind of like, I'm trying, but I feel like I'm failing. Maybe give a pastoral word to someone who's like, you know. Yeah, I would just say take a breath because you have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, right? Like you are not saved, but your ability to keep God's commandments, right? You are saved because Jesus is standing before the Father on your behalf. And you're always going to be accepted by Christ because you are born again in him. You are adopted as his son and his daughter, and therefore you're never going to be cast out again. Right, Ephesians chapter one. You are sealed to the day of redemption to uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you know, press on. Right. Um, maybe the, the word that comes to mind is Galatians six nine and ten. Um, uh, do good to all people, especially as you, as you have opportunity. Um, do not give up, for if you don't give up, you'll reap a harvest. You know, the harvest is coming. Right. You know, press on, look to glory. Right. It's worth it. Amen. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity. We do pray, Lord, that we would look to you as our advocate. Um, what a beautiful thing, Lord, that you stand before um, the Father, uh, 
for us, the righteous one. You, the righteous one, came for us who was unrighteous. God, we pray that we would walk um, in the way you walked, uh, to, to show the world that you and you alone are our Redeemer, Savior, uh, Lord, and Master. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.